Welcome to the Emily Adams Show. I am a mom of two amazing boys, life coach, speaker, writer, powerlifter, and obsessed with all things personal development. Each week, I will be bringing you an inspirational guest or a burst of inspiration that you need to help inspire you to take action in your life. Each episode is designed to give you the tools, ideas, and inspiration you need to support you as you find your own happiness and your life purpose. Welcome back to another episode of the Emily Adams Show. Today we have an amazing guest with us who has an incredible story, and I am so excited to just interview and just hear about her journey. We have Leslie Ferris Yerger, and she's going to tell me if I butcher her name there or not. Um, who is she? Is a TEDx speaker, first-time author of Probably Benign, and a woman's advocate with a laser-focused mission. Leslie was diagnosed with stage for breast cancer in November 2017 after an all-clear mammogram and ultrasound. Experiencing firsthand the fallings of our current breast cancer screening technologies, she is now determined to advance the next generation in breast cancer screening so that her story does not become your story. Armed with humor and wisdom, courage and grace, knowledge and scientific data, Leslie speaks and writes in order to empower women everywhere to ask, learn, insist, and persist in order to get the breast cancer screening they so much deserve. Leslie draws on the stamina and confidence she gained walking the 500-mile Caminan de Santiago pilgrimage in Spain to fuel her passion and energy to expedite change in breast cancer screening so that more women with breast cancer become survivors. Welcome, Leslie. I am so happy to have you and hear all about your journey and your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I, the first thing I'm really curious about is the 500 mile walk. So I'm into fitness and walking and running is probably my least favorite thing to do. What drove you to do that? Well, um, I learned about the Camino, um, Camino de Santiago, um, in the spring of 2018, um, and I was on a 30th anniversary celebration trip um, in that part of the world with my husband then, um, and I saw people walking the Camino, and they were, you know, they were finishing their 500-mile journey, and I thought, you know, I want, I want to do that walk um, because I know given everything that um, I had been through with my diagnosis and whatever the future might hold, that I have to learn to do hard things. And I thought the Camino would be hard, but not impossible for me. So I thought, I just want to take that challenge. And I want to take the 40 days or so that it takes to walk that far um, to clear some things into my mind so that I could move forward with, you know, courage and still have fun and accomplish what I want to do in spite of the diagnosis that I had received. So that's really why I did it. It was, it was for a physical challenge, but it was also for a mental challenge, hoping to shift some things for me. 
That's so how long did it end up taking you? So it took me 40 days from start to finish and that's five rest days and 35 walking days. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And it was the greatest thing. I won't say it's the greatest thing I've ever done, but it's pretty close. You know, it was, it was so empowering and so freeing, you know, there's just, it's a different culture that you're stepping into for that amount of time. Um, just to clear your head, meet new people. Um, for me, walking is very therapeutic. I still walk a lot and I do it for the physical activity, obviously, but I also do it for what it does for me mentally. I like that. So was this where a lot of people came and just joined together or you just met people along the journey? No, everybody starts at a different time. You just show up wherever you want to start and start walking. You know, there's, there's really no more structure to it than that. I mean, often people will just go by themselves and start walking. And then there, there are many other people walking along. So you meet people literally from all over the world. I made friends from Australia, Poland, um, Ireland, Germany, everywhere. Um, and so what the Camino does is it really just strips everybody down to equality because believe me, it's no beauty contest. You're carrying whatever you have, you know, everybody needs basically the same thing. And so, you know how in this, in today's world, it's all, oh, what do you do? What do you do? So people are kind of trying to size you up, like how much money you make, where you came from. Um, there it's where are you from and why are you walking the Camino? So it's not, um, you know, a lot of that that stuff that we have in society here is kind of out the window and it's so refreshing. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's very true. Like that's the first thing that you get asked is, you know, what do you do? And yeah, totally. Yeah. Everybody sizes you up and wants to automatically right. put you in a label or put you in a box, oh, put you in a box, put you in a bucket, whatever their buckets are in their head. Um, but it might be days and days and days before you ever get to that question when you meet somebody and you're walking along with them. Um, and by that time, it doesn't matter because you know the person. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. we, Camino travelers know a lot about each other because people tend to say why they're really walking Camino. You know, <laughs> it can get pretty raw pretty fast. Um, and sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody that you've never seen before and may never see again. Absolutely. It allows you to just show up as your vulnerable self and just to mm -hmm. speak and do what you want. I love that. That's incredible. Um, so what were your first thoughts when you heard you were diagnosed with cancer? Well, um, I guess the, the one word that I could use would be denial, but because the way that it, it came all came about was so weird and so confusing that that kind of allowed me to say, well, I don't know, there, there must be, this must not be right. Uh, because, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple, two months before my diagnosis, I had gotten a mammogram and an ultrasound because I have dense breasts. And that was like, you know, I got that call that says, oh, all good, see you next year. Then I was doing my normal 55-year-old stuff, you know, that you do. Um, and my doctor said, why don't you get a um, baseline bone density scan? Not that I think there's a problem now, but if we don't know what your bones are like now, we won't know later on as a older woman, you know, 
are you losing bone or not? If we don't, if we don't take it now, then we won't have anything to compare it to. So it was just a normal thing that we were doing. And then they saw something um, weird in that scan. And then one thing led to another x-rays, CAT scan, and ultimately bone biopsy, which came back breast cancer. So you can imagine the, the confusion and all that came, all that stretched over a period of four or five weeks. So um, stressful and confusing. So I was kind of like, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So once you realize, you know, you know, this is really happening, what, uh, what do you feel helped you get through it? through this time? Like, was it, you had to shift your mindset or like, how did you not just want to just give up? You know, some people will go through something that they're like, I'm just giving up here it is. And they don't really want to continue on. Yeah. Um, well, I guess three things. One is, okay. So I still feel fine. Oddly. So why should I just give up now? And I feel fine. That doesn't make any sense. You know, so that, that's a simple thing. Um, the other one was, you know, I began to realize over those first maybe three or four months that I actually had a story to tell that could really benefit other women. And I thought, you know, this is, this is a bad thing that happened, but I wonder if, this isn't something that I can really use to help other people and to advance the technologies in our breast cancer screening norms that will prevent this from happening to other women because it will. Yeah. You know, it, it will. Given, given the way that we're operating right now, we're missing a lot of cancers. Um, so that, that really just got me going. And then, you know, just the mere th fact that, you know, I don't want to be bummed and depressed and crying and all that kind of time. I mean, you do go through those things right afterwards, you know, or even, even long afterwards. But once you're kind of faced with, hey, I may not live till I'm 99, like I always thought I would. So let's make the best of it, you know? <laughs> really, um, it, you know, that, that's a simple thought, but it's actually very true. Like, why am I, why would I, why would I spend any more downtime than I need to in order to process and move on? Yeah. I like I that. Life is fun. I want to have fun and, and have, have purpose and meaning and do something that I feel really, really compelled to do. Yeah. I, I really like that. So I'm curious, like, did, how much did your life change before and after? So before you had cancer, were you doing something completely different? And then after, how did, how did that shift? Um, I would say it's really not that different, but I do ha have a purpose now that I really didn't have before. Um, so oddly cancer took away a lot, but it also gave me something. And that is this drive to spread my message and change things for the better going forward. So, you know, it giveth and it taketh away <laughs> is, it, I, you know, I think you'll hear a lot of people with cancer say that as well. Um, yeah. That it, it's an eye-opening thing um, and it can be a good eye-opening. I so, love that. I love, 
Mm-hmm. I love how you, there's still positivity to it. There's always something that we can still be positive and something that we can learn from it. Yeah. You know, and I've been in remission for two and a half years now and, you know, hopefully that'll last a while and who knows, you know, after that's over, what can we do next? There's a lot of little, there's a lot of research happening. You know, I, it's, um, I've not given up hope that, you know, I can make it quite a bit longer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you currently empower women that are going through this? Um, I sum it up by saying, ask, learn, insist, and persist. So, um, I've written a book, I give talks, I do a lot of Zoom stuff now, obviously with COVID, um, and empower, educate, and encourage women to be their own boss when it comes to breast cancer screening. So the first thing you have to do is learn that they need to be the boss. And the second thing I have to learn is to get the information enough to be the boss. And then they have to do it in system persist. Um, so that's really my overriding message. That's what my talk is called. That's what I say. That's what I do through everything that I um, work toward every day is to empower women to um, take charge learn, take charge, be the boss of your own breast cancer screen. Yeah. I love that. Love it. What, um, so is, was all of your, did you, before cancer, did you ever think you were going to write a book or did, did your book? No, just no, no more than anybody else. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to write a book someday, but they have no idea what it's going to be about, you know, or anything like that. And most people don't ever do it. And I probably wouldn't have either, you know? Um, but after I got back from the Camino, um, about three or four months after that, you know, I thought, you know, I've got a story here that I think is book worthy. Um, and so I started checking into how could I do that? What's the way that I want to approach it? What I, what do I want to say? What's my message? Um, and I just kept going until ultimately I got the book. And so uh, I never thought so, but, um, I'm glad I did. I loved the process. I'm almost sorry that the process of writing the book is over because I loved writing the book. You know, it's kind of like being pregnant, you know, like, <laughs> it's great being pregnant, but then after that, you have to have, you know, you got to raise the baby. So it's, <laughs> um, for me, the writing was the fun, was the fun part, but I'm, I'm glad I have the book to share. Maybe there's book number two coming. You never know. Uh, I already got an idea in my head. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, it's interesting when it comes to writing, everyone has a, I, I, firmly believe everyone has a unique story and we could all write a book if we just sat down and choose to do so. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I, that's incredible. Um, so you also, um, had a TEDx, uh, talk. So tell, tell me about that. How did you land it? How did it happen? What was it like? So I've lived a life of fear of public speaking frozen to death over the idea that somebody might call me, call on me in a big meeting or what I probably would never stand up and ask a question. I mean, it just wasn't something that I did. Um, but once I got this diagnosis and decided, you know, what I wanted to do, um, the fear of not saying what I wanted to say was bigger than the fear of saying it if that makes sense. 
So it's more important to me to say it than to, you know, live behind the fear of speaking. And now I'm not afraid at all. Um, but the TEDx talk um, was done out of my local library and a friend of mine had heard me speak when I got back from the Camino and she recommended me for, she's an employee of the library. She recommended me to be one of the three people that were asked to do the, the TEDx event at the library for, for that year, 2019. Um, so of course I said yes. And I had about five months to prepare for it. So I procrastinated a really long time, you know, um, <laughs> before figuring out exactly what I was going to say. Um, but I just thought, you know, that was, that was a bust of your courage moment for me because I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty free and easy with speaking, um, in person, but being recorded, you know, to go down history for all time was another thing, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad I did it. Um, I'd love the chance to do it again because I would do it differently, but probably everybody says that. Yes. Uh, you know, so um, it was great. I'm glad I got the opportunity to do it. And um, now I want to do it again. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love like how you just had that mindset of, you know, uh, it's either the fear of not sharing or just to be able to share. Yeah. So I love that. So for those that may be struggling through a difficult time in their life right now, what are some of the tips that you would give them? Um, focus on the positive, you know, there's always a positive, you know, find it. There is one. Um, it could be, you know, a positive outcome that you're going to get. It could be new connections that you make in your family or life with people. Um, and just the notion that, um, in the words of Glennon Doyle, she's a best-selling author right now. I don't know if you've read her book Untamed, but in there, and she often just says when she speaks, we can do hard things and we can do hard things. We really can. We can do things that we never thought we could do or even that other people thought we couldn't do. Right. Yes. Uh, so um, I would say focus on, you know, being brave and doing hard things because you can. Yeah. I love that. I always, one of my things is always is you get to choose how much potential you have or what you want to Mm -hmm. how far you want to push it. Right. right. So, yeah, I love that. Um, so where can people, um, buy your book and follow your journey? Um, well, if you go to my website, leslieferrisyerger.com, you can really do everything from there. Um, you can buy my book at probablybenign.com, which is, you know, the publisher's website of my book. And if you're doing it for a book club, which, um, is great. I've had several groups do the book as a book club now. And if we can schedule it, then, you know, I'll zoom in because we're doing everything by zoom now I'll zoom in. They can ask me questions. Um, so if you're going to do it that way, I would get the bulk book club discount at probablybenign.com. Um, but certainly you can get it off of Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, easily as well. Um, and, um, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook under my name, Insta under my name, um, Twitter. Yes, but I'm, I'm not a huge Twitter person. <laughs> the other true or other three are better ways to get a hold of me. 
Yeah. I love that you just offered to zoom into their book club too. That's incredible. I love that. I love it. I mean, I love just interaction with women and educating them and empowering them and just having the camaraderie, you know? Um, and so it's fun for me to do that, especially now when we're not all interacting, you know, personally as much as, as we were. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to do that. I love that. So, um, yeah, contact me, Les, Leslie at leslieferrisjerger.com and we can figure it out. Yeah. And I'll also link those in the show notes below. So for anyone that did not catch that, they can go to the show notes and see that as well. Okay. So, um, where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, I think we could sum it up by saying I am driven by the idea that I might be able to prevent what happened to me for women going forward. I love that. And and I really, I mean, big, big, big dream here is that could we reduce the mortality rate of breast cancer by using technologies for women with dense breasts to actually find a lot more cancers early? Yes. I think that's actually realistic if we get on the ball and do it. So (laughs) my little angle of that is empowering women to ask and insist. So then that the medical industry has to respond. Yeah. I love that. You know, there are other people trying to do it through the medical industry. I've no inroads there, you know, but, but, I think my little superpower in all of this is empowering women to push it from the consumer point Sorry. of view. Right. Yeah. That's- um, so that's, that's what keeps me going. I'll just be honest. And in addition to living life and I just want to have fun and be with my kids and, you know, my family and travel with my husband and, you know, enjoy life. Um, but I got a mission in mind. I love that. And that's, I'm all about, implementing Mm -hmm. fun in my life coming from a corporate world i'm trying to implement that more and more to leave the corporate side and just become more fun like have more fun life is way too short to not have fun yeah and you know if we're all lucky enough to have fun doing our work i mean how cool is that yes right yes like you know if you just as soon be working as not working then you know that's not even a job that's just great. You know, yeah, that's just <laughs> extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. So now we're going to do rapid fire. I do this with every guest. The, okay. first, the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask the question, just blurt it out. And, um, okay. Yeah. It's just a fun little exercise. Okay. So, um, what is your favorite food? Oh, um, raspberries, coffee or tea coffee, but I do both. Okay. Books or movies? Movies. Favorite quote? Angela uh, Mayu, I think it is. Um, do the best you can until you know better. And then once you know better, do better. Ooh, I love that. Yep. And what's one thing that's on your bucket list? Mm-hmm do the Camino again. Uh, beach or mountains? Mountains. 
And then the last question is, what is one thing you're grateful for today? Um, just the, just the fortunate life that I've had. I've gotten to do so many things and meet so many people. Um, you know, it's, I've been very fortunate to live the life that I have. And so I'm just really grateful for that. Um, and having that life gives me the, um, you know, the, 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 the power, the wherewithal to do what I want to do in the future. So sorry, that wasn't very rapid. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Is there any last final thoughts? Um, my last final thoughts are if you don't know what your breast density is, find out it's in your mammogram report. If you can't tell from your mammogram report, ask your doctor by law, it's required to be there. Start there. Um, and ask, learn, insist, and persist. Oh, I love that. I'd had no idea. I just learned something. I learned something valuable. Yep. That's the first step in all of this is for women to learn their density then, you know, go from there, making decisions forward about what you should do for supplemental screening if you need it. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. And I know that the audience that listens to this is going to get so much value out of it as well. And, um, For those that are listening, if this somehow resonates with you, please share it, uh, tag Leslie, tag myself on social media. And until next time, stay inspired and continue to take action toward the life that you desire.